So often, when I walk in, I want to open that door back there, first door on the right when you come in. It's not Mother's Day, but I so often want to open that door because of my granddaughter. Do you know how I have to fight that feeling off every Sunday to want to step in there and get a mighty June kiss? But Dad said, I said, have they given the mothers their gifts today? Have they done that? And my dad said, yours is in there. And so I thought, well, I've got to tell her Happy Mother's Day, even though I need a kiss from Mighty June. And so I stepped in there and told Reba Happy Mother's Day, and I left Mighty June bawling. That's why I don't step in there. She wanted her pass, Paul. Or maybe she just wanted out of that room. Amen. Well, I'm going to preach a sermon that I had no idea what the title would be until I titled it at 8 a.m. I'm going to preach a sermon that I've titled number three. I titled it number three because the one I'm going to preach on is the third person in the Trinity. Because number one is God the Father... Number two is God the Son. And number three is God the Spirit, the Trinity, but all the same. So this morning, I'm preaching a message titled, Number Three. Well, I was wanting a Mother's Day message. Well, I promise you, you'll be a mother mother if you'll be... Under the inspiration of number three, the Holy Spirit. That's how I'll tie it to Mother's Day. How's that? It was an American that took his English buddy to the banks of Niagara Falls, pointed to the falls and said, the most unused power in the world. His English friend says, I disagree, buddy. That water coming off Niagara Falls is not the most unused power in the world. The most unused power in the world is number three. And that is the power of the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. Now, I know I'm in a Baptist church, and when I'm going to preach on the Holy Ghost, some people's going to get shook up, and I just want to let you know, the Holy Ghost like Casper. He's a friendly ghost. You don't need to run from him. You need to run to him. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. So, this message that I've entitled number three, speaking of Mr. Holy Spirit, five points, if you're ready for him, say, I am. Number one, I want to speak to you about the actuality of number three, Mr. Holy Spirit. See, when I talk about the actuality, I had to ask Siri if it really was a word. And it was. And when she confirmed that actuality really was a word, she went ahead while me and hers was conversing and gave me the definition of it. Actuality, the definition means it really exists. And see, often we don't think the Holy Spirit is real because we can't see Him. I tell people He's like scotch tape. You can't see Him, but He's holding everything together. Just because you can't see Him doesn't mean He's not real. The one little boy was instructed by his mama to go wash your hands. She, he said to her, why? Because of the germs. He headed to the bathroom saying, germs, 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 Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. All I hear is Jesus, 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 germs, 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 and I've never seen either one of them. Folks, although you don't see the Holy Spirit and you don't see germs, they're real. Amen? See, it says in John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17, or 16, And I will pray the Father, and He will give another Helper, that He may abide with you. You ready for context? 
Jesus knows what's fixing to happen and His disciples don't. Jesus always knows what we're fixing to go through even when we don't. Get that? He knows that He's fixing to die on the cross, to be buried, third day, rise again, live a short 40 more days on planet earth, and then He's going to send, Brother David, to sit down at the right hand of the Father. And I'm glad He's there because He forever lives to make intercession for you and me today. So He knows that's coming. And so He tells His disciples, I'm going to adios here pretty quick. But I'm going to pray to the Father and He will give another. Now listen to what that another translates. One of the same kind. Amen. I got one. That translates. Jesus knows He's fixing to adios. He's telling His twelve, I'm out of here, but I'm going to pray to the Father. And how many of you know when number two, God the Son, prays to number one, God the Father, He gets what He asked for. I'm going to pray to God the Father that He send number three, and it's just simply one just like me. That's good stuff. And so He says, there's going to be one just like me come, because I'm going to ask the Father to send Him. You ain't going to be able to see Him, but He's going to be the real deal. Now, I want you to look up here and listen. I want you to get excited with me. People always telling me I wish I could have lived in Bible days when I could have been right there and saw Jesus and talked to Jesus and touched Jesus. Man, that had been so much better than today. But let me remind you, in Bible days, you could only be in the presence of Jesus when you're in the presence of Jesus. In other words, if He wasn't around, you're up a creek without a paddle. But my dear friends, he said, I'm going to pray to the Father. And listen, when I adios, he's going to send one of these same kind. He's sending another me. But the difference in this other me, it's going to be by way of Holy Spirit. And he can be everywhere at all times. In other words, in Bible days, if you wish you could live there, you'd been like them twelve and you could only have been in his presence. When his presence, and listen, when he was gone, you didn't have his presence. Let me tell you, he's real. And I've got him 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 12 months a year. Listen, that's how often we have him. And it's another him. Amen. That's the actuality of number three, the Holy Spirit. But then for number two, I want to point out the abode of number three, the Holy Spirit. I went ahead and stayed online with Siri because I knew the second point was coming. So I asked Siri, is abode a word? Pow, there it was. And while I was on the line with her, I said, go ahead and give me the definition. And the definition is a place of residence, in parentheses, a home or a house. I'm on the point of the abode of number three, the residence, his home, his house. Where does number three abode? Listen, and I will pray to the Father. He's going to answer my prayer. And He will give you one just like me, another helper, that He may, listen to this, Abide with you forever. Listen to verse 17. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him or knows Him, but you know Him. Listen to this. For He dwells with you and will be in you. Look here, is it amazing to anybody else in the house beside this preacher man that we have a God that's big enough to create everything that you see and some things you don't see, but yet He's small enough to take up residence, abode in your very heart? That gets me beside myself. And then I think about in Bible days, before Pentecost, Jesus was with us, but since Pentecost, Jesus is In us, I'm talking about the abode of number three, where he resides, his home, his house. Colossians 1.27 says Christ is in you. To the, he is the hope of your glory. How about 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 19? Please listen. When we thinking about that Mother's Day dinner, listen. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is not with you, 
in you. Now listen. Whom you have from God and you are not your own. Listen to verse 20. For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Trenton and Marissa, they got a closing date. They're moving to Pryor, Oklahoma, in case you didn't know that. I want you to listen real close. Does it make a mom and daddy nervous when your child buys a house in the middle of inflated prices? And they told me the price of houses, it just makes me a nervous wreck. And if you're buying houses right now, you're probably thinking, Phew. I want you to listen to me. They pay good money for that house, and that's where their residence is going to be. That's their home. That's their house. You with me? And they paid a pretty good penny. And if you're buying or building a house right now, you're paying a pretty good penny for your house. Are you with me? But I want you to listen. I promise you, you didn't pay near for your house. Now listen, what God paid for His houses. Let that sink in. I don't care if you bought on a down market. I don't care if you buy it in an inflated market. I promise you, you didn't even scratch the surface of paying for your home what God Almighty paid for His home. Because you wasn't redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold. You were purchased, you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. Do you realize God bought a bunch of houses where He wants to live by way of number three, Holy Spirit, and they was costly. They cost Him His very own life's blood. Are you staying with me? So here's my question. How sad would it be if Trenton and Marissa and Miss Marty June paying this big price for this home was only allowed in a little area of it? Picking up what I'm putting down. Be a sad thing if they could only stay in the pantry. In the closet of a home they paid a lot of money for. Well, I'm going to tell you what's sadder than that. The price that Jesus Christ paid for His house, shedding His blood on Calvary, and you just give Him a little bitty area in His home. I promise you, when they buy that home, they paid that price because they wanted every square inch of it. And when Jesus paid for His house, your body, upon the cross, He wants every inch of it. Quit pushing Him to the closet because He abides in your heart. Let Him rule and reign in a house that He bought. Amen. We talk about the actuality of number three. We talk about the abode of number three, Mr. Holy Spirit. But listen to number three. I want to talk to, about, to you about the activities of number three, Mr. Holy Spirit. What does He do? Now, I was on with Siri. Activities. What does it mean? Here's the definition of activities. A thing that a person or group does or has done. Activities is a thing, things... That a person or group does presently or past has done. Let me just get you on shouting ground here just a minute. Let me tell you what number three has done. See, God the Father planned salvation. He thought of salvation. Number two, God the Son purchased, or if you will, bought salvation. Are you staying with me? But God... Number three, the Spirit brought salvation and preserved salvation. And let me tell you one of the things He done in the past. When God the Father sent God the Son to die on the cross and He was buried in the grave, let me remind you, it was the Spirit of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. So number three, a powerful, powerful thing. The Holy Spirit raised God from the dead. And that's the same power that lives in you. So that's one of the things he has done. But what's he doing now? Sounds like a country song, don't it? Number one, he comforts. Look at, look at verse 25, John chapter 14. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, 
translates comforter. Some of your Bibles will even say comforter, the Holy Spirit. And we need to understand, Paul said to the church at Corinth, second letter, first chapter, verses 3 and 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this. This does my heart good. He's the Father of mercies. Anybody in here ever need mercy? Anybody in here ever need mercy? Aren't you glad He's the Father of it? He can tell it what to do. Go out there and get all over Rob. But it also says, and He's the God of all comfort, comforts us all in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in trouble with the comfort that we ourselves was once comforted with. You know what that's saying about number three, Mr. Holy Spirit? He's the one that comforts you in your trouble. And when He comforts you in your trouble, sometimes He sends a person and works through them to do it. And when He does that, then you are to comfort those who go through that trouble because He's comforted you through it. Are you staying with me this morning? Jesus always knows what lies ahead for His children. I say the Holy Spirit comforts. If my mother-in-law was here today, she would tell you, of how the Holy Spirit awakened her one night. She knew it was the Holy Spirit because He guided her to her dining room table. He guided her to her Bible and He opened it to John fourteen twenty five. And she read it in the middle of the night after He awakened her and directed her to that verse. But you know what? She didn't know what was lying ahead and she pondered for a few days why God would wake her up, give her that verse, remind her that He was the comforter. But do you know what happened just a few days later? She got the call on a Wednesday that her grandson, 16 years old, had been tragically killed in a car wreck. God knew what was coming. She didn't. And a few days later, there was a funeral. And there was a grave that she could see from the very table that she sat in the middle of that night when God awakened her and pointed her to John 14, 25. And as she looked at that fresh dirt on that grave, she then knew why God awakened her and directed her to that verse. Why? Because she needed some comfort because her 16-year-old grandson had died and he was done beginning to comfort her before it ever happened. I remember that call. I remember going to Mays County Medical Center. I remember walking into a family that is weeping and crying and, and, and holding one another. And I remember the, the nurse who I knew, she said, Rob, let us take you right in here. And they directed us to a janitor's closet. Let me tell you, when you're hurt and you really don't care whether they direct you, you're just holding on one another. And I can remember getting in that janitor's closet and I can remember Miss Kathy turning and looking at me, all the families in there, and she turned and she looked at me and she said, Robbie... Robbie, say something. I mean, I'm looking a mama right in the eye that just lost her child and she's looking me right in the eye and she's begging me, say something. Now let me tell you, on that day, that Wednesday evening, you think my little old mind, Charlie, wasn't Rolodex in every scripture that I've ever memorized and begging God to give me one that maybe I hadn't memorized? Robbie, say something. And as my mind was Rolodex and looking for a scripture, looking for something to say, the Holy Spirit whispered to my heart, not my mind, nothing to say. And the Holy Spirit just led me to put my arms around them and cry with them. I want you to listen to me. An old veteran preacher once told me, the darker the hour, the less talking you'll need to do, young man. You know what that veteran preacher understood? Us pastors can sometimes give the comfort, but we're not the real comforter. The one that really brings comfort to devastation is the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. So He's the comforter. But then I want to point out He's also, His activity is He's a counselor. Now, it says in verse 25, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. He's going to teach you all things. And it says, However, when the Spirit of truth has come, He will guide you 
into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. Do you listen? Are you listening to me? He will not speak on his own authority. He's going to speak of God the Father, and he's going to speak the truth. You got that? Keep that in mind. But whatever he hears, what he hears from heaven, he will speak and he will tell you of things to come. He will glorify me. That's God number two, God the Son. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and he will declare it to you. Pay attention to those verses and what he's saying. The Holy Spirit, he gives counsel. And his counsel, what I'm trying to tell you, will always come from what God the Father giving. And God the Father speaks through God's holy word. So if anybody ever tells you the Spirit of God told them to do something, and it contradicts the Word of God. Let me tell you what you can do. You can go ahead and stand toe-to-toe, chest-to-chest, eyeball-to-eyeball, and you can call hogwash on them being led by the Spirit of God to do it if it contradicts the Word of God. I remember Jamie Ragel preaching a message one time, the high cost of low living. Speaking of sin, take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, cost you more than you want to pay. And so one day he called a buddy of his out who was committing adultery, having an affair on his wife. You know what this man told Pastor Ragel? Spirit of God told me to do it. Spirit of God's leading me to do it, and I'll tell you how I know how, Pastor. Because me and this lady I'm having an affair with, we read our Bible together. We pray together. Folks, his counsel wasn't coming from the Spirit of God. Because what he was doing... The Bible calls sin. And so I'm just telling you, one of the activities of the Holy Spirit of God is to give counsel, and He will never give counsel contrary to thus saith the Word of God. Amen. His activity is to comfort. His activity is to counsel. But I want to tell you, thirdly, His activity is to convince. When I say convince... But when the Helper, the Comforter come, He shall send to you, whom I shall send to you from the Father. Listen, the Spirit of truth from the Father. Listen who He testifies. He testifies of me. Verse 16 tells us He will not speak on His own authority. Whatever He hears, He will speak and He will tell you of things to come. He will, again, He will... Glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now, let me just stop here just a second. I appreciated a prayer, a text from a brother this morning saying, I'm heavy-hearted for you this morning, and I'm praying for you. You don't know what's going on. Well, I can tell you what's going on. I'm preaching on the Holy Spirit of God, and it's a tough subject. And it's amazing to me that the ball games today, you'll get two and a half hours to figure out who the winner is, and you'll take every two and a half, bit of the two and a half hours to decide it. You'll watch a movie, and it'll take two and a half hours to get to the punchline and the ending of it, and you'll stay hooked. Of a movie, you'll forget in a game that don't matter. But when it comes time for me, the preacher man, to try to enlighten you on number three, the Holy Spirit of God, I get 40 minutes. If I go a minute over, you're mad. Just don't seem fair, does it, Dave? So in 40 minutes on Mother's Day, when everybody can't wait to get to the... It ain't nothing about your mother, it's about your gut. You just can't wait to get to, to eat. I just want to tell you, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, it's a touchy subject, and I'm going to stop right here, because all those verses I read, Jesus said the Holy Spirit's going to testify to me. He's going to glorify me. He's not going to say nothing unless it come from me. That's what He's going to declare to you. So let me just stop, time out, and point out to something to you about the Holy Spirit. We've got churches that schedule, quench, and grieve the Holy Spirit because they've got a schedule and they wouldn't know the Holy Spirit if He shows up right amongst them. That grieves and quenches the Holy Spirit of God. You with me? You'll all amen that, but I want to tell you the flip side of that. We've got these full gospel, Pentecostal. I, somebody said, we're full gospel. Like, like I said, well, we're just three-quarter. If you come here and you're full gospel, a bad day to say this because you're visiting. We're full, we're, we're just, uh, I tell you, what, sometimes we're zero gospel. Sometimes we're a half, quarter. Huh? Yeah, amen. So what are they getting at? Well, I tell you what, 
So here's what I mean. Here's this church over here. They grieve and quench the Holy Spirit because they schedule the Holy Spirit plumb out of it. They're drier than a popcorn toot. And they quench and grieve the Holy Spirit. But here's this other side that's so emotional. They're speaking in tongues, some of them. Some of them are not. Some of them are flopping in the floor. I've been there. They got up and run around the room, and I'd ask my buddy, what are they doing? He said, I don't know. They do it every service. I want you to look up here and listen. Go to one of those churches. Let me tell you about 90% of their conversation is going to be about the Spirit and what He's doing. According to the Scriptures that I just read you, there ain't a better way to grieve and quench the Holy Spirit when you make more of Him when He's trying to point you to them. So you better understand there's a balance. You can quench and grieve Him by just scheduling plumb out of the service. And you can get so caught up in glorifying Him and not pointing to the one He points to and hears from. And you can quench and grieve the Holy Spirit the very same way that other bunch does. I don't know about you, but I want to be right in the middle where the Spirit leads and where the Spirit points. That's where I want to be. Amen? That was free. didn't cost you nothing. Now, I'm going to go right back to the convincing part. I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is the one that convinces. I want you to think about something. Marty Brock, when I got in the truck with him, he was trying to convince me of what I was and who I needed and where I was headed. Who I was was a sinner. Who I needed was Jesus. Where I was headed for hell. But you know, as slick as he is with his words and his moosed up hair and his dress, let me tell you what he couldn't do. He couldn't convince me. Because it was on a Tuesday morning that he wasn't nowhere around at number three, Mr. Holy Spirit showed up. And guess what he done? He convinced me. Remember Gary Caldwell during the revival say, when I got saved, I went to preaching and my sisters got saved and my mama got saved and it broke my daddy's heart and he'd cry. He said, it took me seven years. How many times do you think Gary Caldwell tried to convince his daddy? of what he was, where he was headed, and who he needed. But I'm going to tell you what the preacher cannot do. Number three can. You can cut the preacher off, but you can't cut the Holy Spirit off. And I'm glad you can't because one Tuesday morning in an old Mack truck, it wasn't Marty Brock that convinced me who I was, where I was headed, and who I needed. It was number three, Mr. Holy Spirit. Amen. But then secondly, he, or, or nextly, not only he comforts, counsels, convinces, but he convicts. He says, I tell you the truth, and I can't imagine being with him for three years, watching him make the blind to see, the lame to walk, the deaf to hear, the dumb to speak. I can't imagine with him, being with him three years, and what are we going to eat? My stomach's growling, and he takes just some loaves and some fishes and feeds 5,000 men, plus their wet. I can't imagine seeing all that and then hearing these words in, in John sixteen seven. What words? He says, I tell you the truth. This is the guy that's done all that things in front of him. He said, I tell you the truth. It's your advantage that I go away. Can you imagine seeing everything he's done in this? You know, he said so many things, but he's a nut. It's our advantage that somebody that does these things goes away. That's what he said. And Jesus said what he meant and meant what he said. It's your advantage that I go away. And here's what he tells them. If I don't go away, guess what? The helper won't come. He says, I've got to depart. And when the helper, number three, the Holy Spirit comes, John 16, 8. What will he do when he gets here? And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. So it's him that's going to convict us that, that of our sin. It's him that's going to convict us of righteousness. And it's him that's going to convict us that one day, Jesus is going to judge the world. Now I want you to listen closely. There's something that's been on an all-time high these last three or four years during this pandemic virus. What is that? Can you guess? Depression, anxiety, panic attacks, fear. And I've got a dear brother in Christ that knows something about that because he visited it. He went to a Christian counselor, and if you really see, those things are real. How many of them know those are real things? John knows that. John testifies of God delivering him from depression. We know they're real. 
And my, my brother went to a Christian counselor and he said, when that depression, that anxiety, that panic and that fear comes upon you, remember three things. So, so I want you to listen today. This is some Christian counseling. I think it's worth listening to. Number one, just stop. Get you three deep breaths. Number two, listen to this. Kind of opposite of what the world tells you. Talk to yourself. I've lived in a world and people say what? And I say, I'm talking to myself. You ain't supposed to talk to yourself. I think the Bible says they reason with themselves. That tells me they was talking to themselves. Well, I've heard it's all right to talk to yourself as long as you don't answer yourself. <laughs> well, listen, if i got a question for self, I need self to answer it. And so it done my heart good to know a Christian counselor said, after you take three deep breaths and you just stop, talk to yourself. Kind of reason your way through this. And guess what? You can even answer yourself because I believe number three is kind of behind. You with me? And then he says number three, and this is good. Stop. Three deep breaths. Talk to yourself. And number three, begin to praise God. Because it's not always going to be like this. This too shall come to pass. So depression, anxiety... Panic and fear, they're real. And there's what and, and if that doesn't stop it, maybe you do need to go visit with the Christian counselor that can help you walk through it. You with me? But I don't want you to ever miss in the last three years and this stuff at an all time high. Sometimes that panic, that fear, anxiety, let me tell you what it is. It's number three, convicting you of sin. What happens when conviction comes in? You get anxious. I mean, you get kind of panicked. That's what the Holy Spirit does when He convicts. So you've got to be real careful to decide what's happening here. Is it really depression, panic, or fear? Or is it conviction? Because number three done went and showed up and convicted me of my sin, my unrighteousness, and the judgment to come. How do I know that happens? Some of you have heard me tell this story. I'm on the east side of Locust Grove. It's not real big, but it's, I mean, I'm, I'm a mile or two east. It's not real big, but my mom and my brother and my wife are two miles west. Not that far unless you get the call and say, your brother thinks he's having a heart attack. You need to get here and take him to the hospital. Now, you guys all know I'm not very smart, but I cipher really well. I'm two miles east. You guys are two miles west. If he thinks he's having a heart attack, why ain't mama loading him up? Why ain't sister-in-law loading him up? Why ain't somebody headed to the doctor with him? That was my question. Well, he wants you to take him. So I turn around, I head over, and the whole time I'm headed there, I'm trying to reason within myself, why in the world are they not headed to the hospital with him? And why in the world does he want me to take him? I mean, am I that good a doctor? Am I that good a counselor? But I pulled in. And I mean, I'm just thinking he has a heart attack, so there ain't no small talk. I mean, you done told me he thinks he's had a heart attack. Get in. He gets in. And before we ever get out of my driveway, my brother begins to tell me, if I die, here's what I got. Here's where it's at. Here's where it goes. Make sure the girl's got this. Make sure... And I'm thinking, man, he thinks he's going to die. And I need to be writing this down because I ain't going to remember what you got, where you got, and who you want. I mean, I... But I turned out of there, and he went from telling me what he had, where it was, who it needed to go to, and don't let this one have it, and don't let this one get involved, yada, yada, yada. He went from that to when I turned to begin to tell me what had been going on in his life. And it ain't a shame on him because it happens to all of us. And he began to share for about three or four or five miles. We come by this church building. Well, it wasn't this building. It was a tent. It was in the midst of a 42-day straight revival. That's when it was. And he began to tell me, and we turned up Carbide Road. And when he got in, he was tight. He couldn't breathe. He was anxious. But the farther we got told me what to do with his stuff, and he began to tell me about the sins that had been in his life. The farther we got, there wasn't a heavy breathing. There wasn't an anxiousness. 
So I come to the stop sign at New Highway 20, and I just looked at him. I've done diagnosed it. I said, you're not having no heart attack. I don't believe you're having any kind of heart problems. Everything that you've just told me, I believe you're convicted of how you've been living and what you've been doing. I said, you're not uptight. I mean, you're confessing it, and it's just leaving. I said, I don't believe you're having a heart attack. Now, some of you say, do not call Rob if I'm having a heart attack. (laughs) Just don't call Rob. I'll figure out it's sin or anxiety after I get to the hospital, and they give me a nitro pill. So when we get to Granny's, it was, thank God it wasn't an ambulance place there. This may have been when it was Burden Ambulance Place. I pulled in there and I said, uh, probably just go in there and get you something to drink. Probably think about what I said. And if you come back out and you don't go to the hospital, I'll take you. But I really don't think that's a problem. You know, he come back out in a minute, had him a bottle of water, got in the passenger side. And if you know my brother, it takes him about 10 minutes to say something. I said, where are you going to go? I guess I'll go back home. We pulled out and we went back home. And you can imagine the chewing I got from my mother. You what? <laughs> I diagnosed him and healed him. <laughs> Glory. But I know he come to the revival that night. Miss Georgia, you may remember. Invitation was given. He walked up there and he stood right beside me. A man of sometimes no words. He just stood there. Finally, I looked over and I said, what's up? Just get right. And he just turned and walked back to his seat. Here's what I'm telling you. The Holy Spirit, He comes to comfort. He comes to counsel. He comes to convince, but don't ever forget when there's sin in your life. He comes to convict. Depression, anxiety, panic, and fear, they're real. But don't ever mistake them for conviction of sin that is in your life. And all God's people said. And then lastly, the activity of number three, the Holy Spirit, is He completes. In John 16, 15, All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said He will... uh, He will... Therefore... All things are mine, therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. In other words, Jesus just said, everything that the Father has, it's mine. And because it's mine, I'm giving it to him, and it's his job to give it to you and to keep you. So watch this. Philippians 1.6, Paul says to the church at Philippi, you can be confident in this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you, is able to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1.13 tells you and I we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Do I believe in once saved, always saved? I believe if saved, always saved. Because Jesus ain't like my wife. He don't lose stuff. You know what it's like at my house now? If I see her phone, no matter where I see it, no matter if she's hunting for it, if I see it, last night I come in, it's laying on the dryer. I said, "Hun, here in a minute when you're looking for your phone, it's on the dryer. I seen it on the RTV the other day. I said, "Hun, when you're looking for your phone, it'll be on the RTV. Hun, when you're looking for your phone, it's on the back of the couch. Because she's always saying, can you call my phone? When I call it and you answer, sometimes you act like I'm, you're aggravated. I call your phone, but oh, now it's lost, so you want me to call your phone. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, Donna ain't the only one that loses stuff. I do. You do. I want you to look up here. The Holy Spirit never loses a thing. What He was given our souls on the day of our salvation, He won't lose it. He's got it, and He will give us to the Father someday. That's good stuff. In other words, I sure am glad it ain't dependent upon me keeping my salvation. It's dependent on the Holy Spirit, number three, to keep me saved. And all God's people said, amen and amen. And then I think i got six more points. But listen, the next one is 
the activation of the Holy Spirit. I wish you could see my notes because I've got it scribbled out there. See them notes? I got it scribbled out and then I got activation wrote above it. So I'm going to give all the credit to Miss Donna for this point. I had an A word there that didn't make a lick of sense. And so I walk in there and she's drying her hair and I said, I need some help. She said, what? I said, I need a word that starts with A that talks about respond or Jesus works through us. How about activate? I mean, I was high-centered for 30 minutes. But when I say the, the activation of number three, the Holy Spirit, see, when we get saved, we get all the Holy Spirit we're ever going to get. That's not the question. The question is, does the Holy Spirit get all of us? And when I'm talking about the activation of the Holy Spirit, we've got to wake up every day, ask the Holy Spirit to do what we cannot do. Paul said, crucify the flesh daily. And then let the Spirit be activated and work through. When you're lost, the Holy Spirit works, come on, on you. When you're saved, He works in you. But as you grow, what's the Holy Spirit want to do? He wants to work through you. So there's got to be the activation of the Holy Spirit, and He's got to work through you. Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that actually translates continual filling. So that's why I say to you, when you get saved, you get all of the Holy Spirit you're ever going to get... You just got to make sure that the Holy Spirit always has all of you. Does everybody stand up with me? And if you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it means you continually be filled. Stand under the spout where the glory comes out. It's, it's not a one-time thing. It's a continual thing to have the Holy Spirit active and filling your life. So in the Bible, there's two hearts. Calloused, hard, frozen, cold. Have you ever read the Bible about calloused and cold and frozen and hard hearts? You ought to read it. It's not good. But there's another heart that the Bible speaks of, and it's a broken and contrite heart. You know what the Scriptures say about a broken and contrite heart? These God will not forget. In other words, God's going to remember them. He worked on you. He's working in you. And He's ready to work through you. But you've got to stay broken. You've got to stay contrite. Well, that don't make a lick of sense, preacher. If I'm going to be broken and i got to stay full, how do you keep a vessel that's broken full? Some of you farmers got them buckets that got cracks in them, and you just want to fill them up and get it to keep them full till you get to the tank. But it's broken. You can't keep it full, can you? Yeah, you can. Leave it under the spigot. Well, tire's got a hole in it. keeps going flat. Not if I just put that air chuck on it and leave it. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying we as Christians, we're to be broken. But we're to be full. And the only way for a broken vessel to stay full is to get under the spout where the glory comes out and let it continually fill you. That's the only way. Amen. And I'm done. Last point. And some of you are saying, praise the Lord. Mother's Day, and I don't have to do this again until next year. My heart breaks for you. Number five, there's the acceptance of number three, the Holy Spirit. You know, this ought to get a hold of some hearts today if you don't know Jesus. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ is not His. Old Pentecostal teacher of mine in Ranch House Pizza one day said, Boy, I tell you what, do you have the Spirit? And I said, Lord, I hope so. (laughs) If I don't have Him, I'm not His. I don't understand that stuff folks because one Tuesday morning when he convinced me convicted me I accepted him and I got all the Holy Spirit I'm ever going to get and so you say well Rob how do I know I have the Holy Spirit well I'm going to tell you how I know it is I take what I call a G5 test it's Galatians 5.22 I have people tell me the evidence of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. I have people tell me the evidence of the Holy Spirit is doing the worm across the floor during a church service. I, I, I mean, I, I, have, I have all kinds of people tell me. Folks, the Bible says 
The fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's long-suffering, it's kindness, it's, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness, and it's self-control. Do you have the Holy Spirit? If you do, you'll have that fruit. Fruits, you'll have nine flavors. And if you go somewhere and you can't wait to get the pink Gatorade and you get there and they don't have the pink Gatorade, well, they still have Gatorade. They don't have pink Gatorade. What are you saying, preacher? You can't just say, I've got eight of them, so I passed the test. Do you realize that? The G5 test, you've got to have all nine of them. Now, you say, man, sometimes my, I, I, my self-control ain't there. I'm not saying they've always got to be at the surface. I'm asking you to take a test. They all nine got to be in there. And they need to be at the surface, but they are in there. So you need to test today. And you need to think, have I accepted the Holy Spirit? If I died right now, where would I spend eternity? So listen, I'm trying to preach to you a message that's tough to preach. And I, I mean, I'm already out of time. Some of you have done quit me. But I've done my best to preach what God told me. And make sure you know Jesus. And you say, well, it ain't a Mother's Day message. Mothers, you won't never be the mother and the wife you need to be until you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And I'm going to tell you something else. I preached the Father's Day message right here on Mother's Day because daddies, husbands, you won't ever be the daddies and husbands you need to be unless you let number three have full control and rule and reign in your life. I don't know if there's a grandparents' day, but I'm just going to pretend there is. I just preached a grandparent message. You'll never be the grandparents you need to be unless you've got number three ruling and reigning in your heart. Grandmas, kids, I covered it all today because the Holy Spirit just simply testifies of every scripture that I've used. He's pointing to them, not him. He says, that's God the Father that thought it. He's talking about God the Son that bought it. And today, I just brought it to you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He just brings to us what one and two done. And all God's people ought to be saying, Amen and Amen. So a man had a dream, and in that dream, he seen some men come and knock upon the door of heaven. And the first one come, and he knocked upon the door of heaven. And the voice from behind the door said, Who are you? What do you want? That man said, I'm Mr. Morality. The voice behind the door said, And the password to get in is, Good deeds and good works, said Mr. Morality. The voice from behind said, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I don't know you, Mr. Morality. And in that dream, man number two come and knocked upon the door of heaven. The voice said, Who are you? What do you want? He said, I'm Mr. Humanity. I want entrance to heaven. The voice said, The password is, He said, Love and charity. I don't know that, Mr. Humanity. Depart from me. I never knew you. And in that dream, number three knocked on the door. If you listen, say, I am. The voice from behind the door says, who are you? What do you want? This may be you. I'm Mr. Religion. And I want entrance to heaven. What's a password? Baptism and church membership. Depart from me. I don't know Mr. Religion. And in that dream, number four knocked upon the door. And the voice from behind the door said, Who are you? What do you want? I'm Mr. Christian. Password, please. The blood. The door open. Welcome in. Folks, if you're planning on your morals and your humanity and your religion to keep you out of hell and get you into heaven, you better change your plans.
Because only the blood that God the Father thought about and only the blood that God the Son shed on Calvary's cross and only because God the Holy Spirit told you about it. That's the only way to stay out of hell and get into heaven. Let's all stand there. Heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Christians, the most unused power in the world is that of number three, Mr. Holy Spirit. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives, resides, has purchased your body for a home. Even though you can't see him here today, he's here. He'd love to meet with you in these altars. He'd love to meet with you right there. And he reminded us today that God the Father and God the Son paid a dear price for your body, for them a home. And some of you within the sound of my voice has been guilty of not letting him have much of his own house. Keeping him back in the corner, in the closet. And today you need to hit these altars. You need to hit your knees and say, God, you purchased this house with your very blood. You reside, you rule, you reign wherever you want to in this house. Altars are open, folks. Maybe you're here today. You need some comfort in your trials and your tribulations. Why are you not moving? Number three is here to comfort you. Maybe today you need some counsel. You're going through something. And maybe you're here today and listen, you cut me off a long time ago. I can read faces. I'm going to tell you what you can't do. You can't cut number three off. The Holy Spirit's going to continue to work on your heart. So I just tell you, go ahead and hit these altars. And I'm going to tell you, if you got depression, you got anxiety, you got fear, you got panic, bring them to Jesus. Take your three deep breaths. Get right here in these altars. But if that don't help, ask God by way of Holy Spirit to turn on the searchlight and search your heart and see if there be any wicked way in you. Altars are open, folks. I'm talking to Christians right now. Let me ask you this. Does the Holy Spirit have all of you? Point number four was activation of the Holy Spirit. If you're living in the flesh, let me tell you, He's not ruling and reigning in your life. But then I ask you, as Christians fill these altars, if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, why don't you do it as old Mike Dunn prays before it's everlasting too late. Father, have your way in the hearts of your people. And Father, I pray if there's a lost man, a woman, a boy, a girl in the presence and the sound of my voice, that Father, you would convince them, convict them, and they would accept you by way of Holy Spirit today. Father, have your way in the hearts of us, your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you come?